0: It's really like a holy grail because it can uh, decarbonize our power sector, as we've just seen with uh, long-term energy storage or seasonal storage solution. But it can also be transported in our natural gas infrastructure to provide heating for buildings. It can also um, be used as a fuel for transportation. Like, think about it. How are we going to fly on like with batteries like how, can we fly like just like a battery plane or what about our trucks and then you think of the ships right like that's way too heavy it's just it doesn't work it, like batteries unfortunately on ships is not going to cut it you cannot use electrons so you need a hydrocarbon which is the
1: fossil fuel which is where you come in
0: sorry the hydrogen hydrocarbon is the, <laughs> is the hydrogen which is where we come in and um, and the industries as well you cannot electrify your whole industry Um, And this is, again, where hydrogen can play a role.
1: Welcome to the Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. This is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 Under 30 entrepreneur and performance coach. Every year, Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world. And each week I bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, to entrepreneurs with companies like DoorDash, Instagram, and YouTube. You're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now it's time to level up. Level up. up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 podcast. Today we have a very special guest who co-founded Anapter, based in Berlin, Germany. She graduated from Concordia University in Montreal. She now leads Anapter's marketing and communications and Enapter is the oil and gas company of the 21st century, the fuel of the future. It doesn't emit any CO2, which is the first to use this AEM technology on a large scale. Please welcome, Vitea. Very excited to have you here. Welcome.
0: Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to, to be here as well.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for joining all the way from Berlin, Germany. We were just at the Forbes event in Berlin, such an amazing city. Um, tell me, back when you first got announced this award, when you were first recognized for the award of being recognized in Forbes 30 Under 30, where were you? What do you remember about that moment?
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was quite exciting. I I actually didn't find out. Um, as the first person, it was my co-founder actually, who also made it uh, on the list since we were both under 30. And he texted me, he was like, Vitea, did you see it? I was like, what, what's going on? So it was, uh, it was quite an exciting moment for, for the two of us because this was uh, one of the, I guess, yeah, one of the milestones that we were aiming for when, uh, when we first really got into the whole startup uh, scene. And uh, yeah, I was definitely not expecting it. Um, I was, where were, uh, I was where were you? I was in Hamburg. So that's why I couldn't make it, unfortunately, to the Berlin event uh, mm-hmm. for the Forbes Under 30. But I was uh, I was quite relaxed. I think I was actually having a cup of tea. It was like afternoon, <laughs> probably not expecting it. You know, I think I pretty much like jumped out of the couch and just screamed. I was like, ah! <laughs> it happened. <laughs>
1: it's an amazing, amazing achievement. I felt the same way. It's just a spark of joy. And you're like, wow, I made it. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, then and, you start texting your family. Yeah. Who
1: was the first person you shared it with?
0: Uh, my family. Absolutely. my it must brother have been and my so mom. proud. Yeah, I was just like, guys, bye! Ah! <laughs> uh,
1: it, it's funny because so many of our parents, they, one, it's, it's difficult to probably explain what we do and they have a difficulty <laughs> explaining. I know if we asked my mom what i do, she, I don't know if she would get even, even near <laughs> close. But uh, it's funny, they also, a lot of parents seem to want their child to be an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer. And so when you become an entrepreneur, take this entrepreneurial path, I find most parents aren't as uh, receptive and, and supportive. They might be like, well, I was just talking to actually a, a German friend, Claudia who's also on the list. And he was just interviewed for the podcast and he was saying, you know, if I asked my mom, she'd be like, he's still not an engineer at BMW. <laughs> 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 she would say what he's not doing instead of what he is doing.
0: Yeah, parents can be funny in that way. Um, My father also used to tell me like, oh, so you're becoming an engineer now because I'd finally tell him things that he didn't fully grasp. Uh, So my mom, my mom is super supportive, you know, like, I mean, I need to actually like, you know, pass the mom test when I have some ideas. Because if I tell my mom, she's just like, she's curious. She tries to hold on. But I mean, I don't blame her. Hydrogen was pretty new to me when I first discovered it before and after. So um, she's getting it though, she's, she's holding on.
1: So it's been a crazy time right now for our families, for our friends, for our businesses. What's been your go-to hack to get the most out of this time during COVID? What's something you or your team is doing right now to play offense rather than defense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess on a personal level and then going into the team as well, um, reading has been my personal hack uh, just because we have less distractions or we can choose to be less distracted. So I've um, been reading much more having like a schedule actually, and then uh, taking it up a notch with knowledge sharing. So I'm calling my friends, telling them like, Hey, I just read this. Do you want me to just like, tell you what it's about, basically. And I've taken notes and then I share it with them. So really kind of like spread the knowledge. And and also it's, it's always great to have um, some practical insights of how people understand these new topics and related to current events. Um, and then this also um, reaches my team of just, uh, not only about renewable energy, uh, but also about different like economic facts and things that can kind of like spark some ideas and some debates as well. And um, as a team, uh, what has been really great is our Enaptor quizzes. So every Sunday, uh, we have these sort of trivias for an hour uh, on different topics like history, music, uh, and of course, hydrogen. And uh, it's, uh, it's quite, we had a really tough one actually last week. We went all into like the, the 20th century. So uh, I, the winner this time was one of our like, a, um, more like senior colleagues. And we're just like, hey, now it was your turn. It was all about your topics. But it's, <laughs> What uh, a great idea
1: to involve the team in a more fun and engaging way than just a typical meeting.
0: Yeah, really. trivia night. Exactly, exactly. So a bit of a challenge for us is we have uh, four different locations, one in Italy, one in St. Petersburg, uh, Berlin, and also Thailand. So the Thailand time difference, you know, this time we're like, okay, we're doing it in the afternoon in Europe so that the Thai team can also join. And so we had uh, all locations. And, um, yeah, it's great to just, you know, like carve some time just for fun. You know, and for the whole team to, to get to uh, to compete a little bit. What's like an together. example
1: of a question you might ask? And like thinking of, is there a trivia question that maybe was really funny or stuck out to you that you're like, wow, you know, this is this is a good dinner table conversation I should bring up at my <laughs> next family dinner to see if anybody knows it.
0: I mean, one that really like did stick to me um, was um, why is the sky blue? And Ooh, as that's well, a good one. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's not, it's not like a really, it's not too complicated, you know, like some people have different theories of it. And also, um, uh, why does the, why would a lake only freeze at the top and not like a full, like bigger lakes as well? Can um, you
1: reveal the answers to either of these? <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> sure. So the first one, um, is, uh, it's all about the prism, prism of light. Mm. And so as the light goes through all the way and reaches us only the blue, um, the blue like waves reach us. Wow. Which is Very why. Cool. Uh, so that's
1: why the sky is blue. So next time, you know, if a little kid ever asked me, why is the sky blue? I now have an educated answer.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can also like drop hands with Pink Floyd, you know, get <laughs> yeah. a bit of like, yeah. music going on as well.
1: <laughs> Good, And I, I love how you're not only just reading during this time, but you're sharing that knowledge. I love that because then it ingrains it more in your mind too. And you're mm-hmm. more likely to recall it and mem- remember it
0: yeah absolutely and um, and like so I think now the question on offense I think is quite an interesting one as well because this is something that we've also just been mindful to still engage with uh, with with our partners with our network so we've been hosting uh, virtual events for uh, partners only uh, for potential partners as well to get to know us and um, uh, it's been really great to just get their feedback on the different like R&D ideas that we're having and we're just like, is this useful for you? Or should mm. we just drop it now? Uh, so that's been a really good way to also uh, stay connected and keep going.
1: So who are the people that you partner with, the companies that you partner with? Is it governments? Is it municipalities? How, you know, who's your ideal client, essentially?
0: Sure. So our ideal client would be a system integrator, uh, engineering, procurement, or construction company, an independent uh, power provider. Uh, municipalities also are great, but the difference between the three that I just stated and a municipality is the technical skill. So our ideal partner is basically someone we can give them a hydrogen generator, and they know what to do with it. There's no questions; okay. they understand how to integrate it within a whole energy setup, which means some solar panels, some inverters, some batteries, um, the storage tank, and then the fuel cell to generate electricity.
1: Wow. So even solar panel companies might be interested in working with you because they might already know what to do. So anyone listening, if you want a hydrogen generator, you know who to call. So walk me through how it works for the layman. What this is the future fuel for everyone? Is it just a subset of a population? You know, what are we looking at? Because right now we're on fossil fuel still, I'm, I'm assuming is the majority of the world. How do we make that transition and how do you solve that problem?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So starting off with just how it works, um, it's quite simple. All you need is electricity and water. So we're uh, promoting renewable electricity uh, because it's widely available and even cheaper today. Um, So you'll have an electricity and a water input into our hydrogen generator. And what our technology basically does is that it will split the water into H2 and O2. And the H2 is an energy vector. So it will um, be the output of our hydrogen generator, it'll be stored in a gas tank and this can be stored for however long you want and it will never lose any energy density. Um, so long-term storage, this is it basically. And then, So
1: it sounds like a no-brainer, I mean why wouldn't everyone use this? this yeah. I, I'm assuming it's because lobbyists of these big oil companies are paying a lot of money to maintain that old antiquated energy, such as coal.
0: Yeah, that's definitely playing a role in this whole picture. Um, I think one one of the arguments as well um, has been the lack of an infrastructure uh, and also the cost of green hydrogen. Because actually, hydrogen has been here for a very long time. Um, But it has been made from fossil fuels. So this whole low carbon, pretty much actually zero carbon technology um, you know not really not real if it's coming from the fossil fuels, so I think it was not yet picking up because we weren't here yet, but now <laughs> oh, <there> that we're- <laughs> go. good
1: answer good answer no wonder you're in charge of communications <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean it's 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 really like a holy grail because it can Uh, decarbonize our power sector, as we've just seen with uh, long-term energy storage or seasonal storage solution, but it can also be transported in our natural gas infrastructure to provide heating for buildings. It can also um, be used as a fuel for transportation. Like, think about it. How are we going to fly on, like, with batteries? Like, can we fly, like, just like a battery plane, or what about our trucks? And then you think of the ships, right? Like, That's way too heavy. It's just it doesn't work. Like batteries, unfortunately, on ships is not going to cut it. You cannot use electrons, so you need a hydrocarbon, which is the fossil fuel.
1: Which is where you come in.
0: Sorry, the hydrogen. Hydrocarbon is the (laughs) the hydrogen, which is where we come in, and um, and the industries as well. You cannot electrify your whole industry, Um, and this is again where hydrogen can play a role.
1: That's amazing. This is a no-brainer. This is the future, and it is something that Tesla's doing similar are you guys competitors with them are they working on something or are you even maybe their their client or a customer if you're even I don't know if you're able to reveal that but
0: <laughs> no um, I think we have um, so batteries and hydrogen are complementary because batteries are um, uh, ideal for short-term, short-term and immediate uh, demand of energy, whereas hydrogen will be the long-term supply of electricity or energy. Um, so I would say we are complementary with batteries. Um, with Tesla, I think um, Elon Musk has a, a, an opinion on hydrogen, which is a bit different from where we stand. Um, but I would say Tesla is, is one company, but then batteries in general, we, we are complementary with them.
1: Another good answer. It's like, <laughs> don't want to divide the, the Elon fan, fan base. Uh, so how did you even get involved in something like, like this? I mean, take us back to the very beginning, Vaitea, where you're from, where you grew up, and the path that led you to where you are now and okay. making it to the Forbes list.
0: Sure. Wow. Okay. We're going back.
1: <laughs> going way back. <laughs>
0: So um, so I was born in New Caledonia. It's a French island in the Pacific next to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, but I grew up in Maryland uh, and then studied in Montreal. And um, growing up, I was spending... Almost all of our time uh, outdoors, camping, going back to New Caledonia, being fortunate enough to to see my family, spend some time uh, there as well, and um, always getting involved in uh, environmental uh, actions. Actually, I think like one of my first volunteering jobs was Environment for America, and I was canvassing uh, to keep our parks. That's, that's like one of the first things that I had done. Created a sustainably club as well like in middle school um and then uh during my studies at concordia i was also um i was on the ski team so i was also spending a lot of uh time outdoors uh and then after four years in canada um i was also curious about uh what else there was in the world uh what other continent had i not uh, had the chance to explore yet and so i thought why not southeast asia um it's uh, It's warm. (laughs) I think that was the main reason after Montreal. So um, packed up, moved to uh, Chiang Mai, which is in the northern part of Thailand. Um, And uh, I was also working in the energy uh, field at that time, but it was an online job. And um, quickly enough, I just felt too disconnected from my environment. I'd always spent my time with people outdoors, uh, that it got me curious about, like, so who are the people living here? You know, what are they up to? And so I read this article about this self sufficient home that was running on 100% renewables and that was self sufficient in every way from an agricultural standpoint, in the sense that they had a permaculture garden uh, from a water standpoint where they collected their own water and from an energy standpoint. Uh, And this was all with the use of hydrogen technology. And this pretty much blew my mind because I just didn't even know this existed. And I was always very curious about like tech trends. And um, I decided to go meet the people who were uh, building this home, and so I, I pretty much showed up with my CVs. Uh, <laughs> just,
1: just, Where you just cold called them? You looked up their address on a on a Google uh, map.
0: So uh, the the owner. I would call this a
1: scrappy hustle, by the way.
0: Oh, oh, is this? Oh, is this? (laughs) Okay. Well, I guess it was. um, I realized that they also uh, the owner, well, Sebastián had a um, creative agency, and I had some experience in agency as well. So I thought I would show up to the creative agency, not to his home, you know. But uh, I did show up to his creative agency with my TV and some cookies. And, uh, yeah, knocked on the door, said hello, told them I just graduated from a business degree and um, had just moved to the same town. And that's how it all started, basically. That's how I got to meet uh, Sebastian and his son, Jan. So Jan is uh, an engineer. He's actually the one who set up the whole system. You know, it's pretty crazy. He just graduated, um, and has his master's in engineering and... Uh, uh, his father, uh, Sebastian, wanted to be energy independent, but as a guest in Thailand, um, did not want to use uh, diesel generators. He was like, no, I want to make the land I'm living on um, to leave it in a better place than I came here. I'm a guest. Mm. And uh, this was really the, the whole intention of this project was um, I will uh, build my whole home because he's really into like design, um, uh, but I will make sure that it is good for the environment. Um, so I met them and they were just about to announce the um, full phase of the deployment of their technology, not only for the energy house and the guest houses, but also to the main home, the kitchen, the workshop, um, really the full, uh, the full microgrid basically that they have there. And, um, I thought it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, What wow. year was <laughs> this at that time? This was, so I met them, it was 2015, uh, in fall and, um, They were thinking about organizing an event in January 2016, and uh, I told them, hey, let me help out. I will uh, do whatever you guys need me to do, but uh, I'm here to spread the word. Roll up the sleeves. You're ready (laughs) to go.
1: Whatever it takes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So it was a really good turnout. Um, We had... uh, quite a, a distinguished architect uh, in Thailand who came to recognize also the, the, the types of building that we should be uh, uh, making in the future. Uh, we had some uh, academic uh, academia uh, buddies and joined to talk about more like the technology side of things and how this is really something that we need to uh, raise awareness of this such a solution. And uh, so the, this Piwe house, which is the name of their home, became a, a communication and a collaboration platform for Southeast Asia uh, on hydrogen.
1: Wow. And then how did you find success from there? Like, how did you move from pairing up with Sebastian, his son, Young? And then how did you find success? And along that way to success, we usually come across a failure or an apparent failure that later set you up for success. What obstacles did you face along the way?
0: Sure. Um, So um the technology that was provided in the Fisua house um, was made by a small um, company in Italy, and Sebastian was also a shareholder of this company and had the chance to save it from a bankruptcy, um, turned to his son, Jan, asked him, um, do we know enough about this technology to start a business? <laughs> do we? Ha- I, are we doing this? And um, that's actually when and how Anapter was born. Is when we all turned to each other in Bangkok uh, in a meeting room and we're like, "Yes, okay, let's do this." Anapter is being born right now. <laughs> um, so it was. Um, it was a yeah. We were fortunate that the the original team of electrochemists were there. Uh, so I would say that. Um, The the failures are more um, about hard learning sessions, let's say, Mm -hmm. Um, because we had already like a a body of experts that knew the technology and that could assist us through um, developing it and really understanding how can we um, scale this technology, basically. And so uh, in the beginning, we were hand-making the electrolyzer part by part. And as we were growing, we really started to like implement a process. Um, And so there were a lot of improvements on those problems that we initially had because um, we were learning basically how to not only produce one or two or three a month, but actually start producing many, many more. Let's create Uh, a
1: system that can develop many at one time instead of just by hand one, and sometimes that's what we have to do in the beginning.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, now it's just like I, the solutions that we're coming up with, we have like a supermarket for our assembly, basically, you know, there's like a clear production board where everyone knows where to find what and <laughs> like implementing this and just really growing in our in our production, like methods and capacities we are just like, okay, like it's organized, now, <laughs> but it took a while. <laughs>
1: How did you transition from that moment, though? Like, what did you do? Did you hire a consultant? Did you sit down and say, hey, team, we need a system. We need a process. Did you use a certain app or a software? How did you turn it from that manual process into, you know, I know the the book E-Myth was one of the most often recommended books to me when I was first starting out. It's by Michael Gerber, and it's all about how do you create systems in your business so you don't become an employee of your own business? so you can work on your business rather than in your business and so he walks you through step by step how to write these manuals now i know there's companies and apps like trainual which is like manual but tr- mm-hmm. for training so what did you do to transition from that moment of manual hand by hand to a processor <laughs> system
0: well i guess that was a lot of uh, uh of hair pulling moments of just how are we missing this piece why do we have like 55 different screws like why is nothing consistent why are things all over the place it was just pretty much like a big mess and we just couldn't keep track of 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 what we had what we needed where we were um so i mean we used many different processes like i mean we we tried excel sheets we tried post-its um we we pretty much tried everything that was quite like analog. I would say there was no tools or no consultants. Um, it was just pretty much all of us uh, together, uh, the production team uh, together, just trying to to crack this and then realize okay, um, probably the easiest thing is just like a central um, space where everyone knows where to bring back what to bring back, <laughs> uh, where to place it, uh, and just a few like housekeeping rules for everyone to follow. The system.
1: There you go. So if you in the audience are listening and you're unorganized or your team's all over the place, now we know what to do. Create, Start with Excel sheets, then post the notes, <laughs> and eventually you'll get there.
0: Yes. <laughs> think
1: you got, correct me if I'm wrong, but what's something that maybe you found as a common myth about your industry? Because I'm assuming this is a very male-dominated space with energy and oil. Am I wrong by that? And then If so, what other common myths are there outside of just maybe the gender stereotype?
0: Sure. Um, Yeah, on the topic of the gender stereotype, um, I'm actually um, quite surprised that there is more of a balance in the energy and especially the sustainability field than I've seen in other industries like um, mobile apps, for example. I remember speaking on panels or going to events and I was like, where are the women <laughs> so, <laughs> so um in the in the renewable energy space, I feel like there are a lot more women. I guess it's maybe like the concept of um nurturing the environment, mother, nature, uh and also just the the whole conservation idea I feel is bringing in this like nice balance of diversity um but maybe it's also because i'm um uh, reaching out to, to, to diverse networks or uh, to more like younger networks uh, or startups. Um, but I have found that there's a bit more diversity than uh, the mobile apps, but more work to do. <laughs> definitely, definitely more, um, especially like decision-making women. You know, that's where it's like, okay, <laughs> let's go. So um, what, what,
1: what advice would you give a woman that wants to enter this industry or anyone for that matter?
0: Um, so, I mean, a woman, uh, I would just, I would really say like, don't undervalue yourself. Like, I mean, it's, I've heard it so often of just, um, we, we, we don't ask for the same salary as men. We think we're worth less. And I would, I mean, it's a cliche, but honestly, double what you think you're worth and like, it's okay. (laughs) So, um, yeah, just like be bold and, and, and don't, don't be shy. You know, I think back to like my like 20 year old self just showing up just being like why not you know what's stopping me <laughs> so um that's to that's anyone. why you <laughs> hire a lot of women
1: i mean yeah that's for every, anyone i was actually reading this statistic in adam grant the professor mm-hmm. at wharton uh, at university of pennsylvania in his book give and take yes in the book he outlines the number one variable that determines your future wealth and future salary at your, at your company is your initial starting salary mm-hmm. and so when they found the gender gap issue when they dove a little deeper he was wondering why is this the case i don't think there's just men trying to keep women from entering the industry so he kept asking why he did the five whys toyota method and he mm-hmm. came up with apparently women negotiate their starting salary only seven percent of the time Men negotiate their starting salary 57% of the, the time. Wow. So you found a huge gap in the, like you said, in the what you're worth, the value of what you're worth and how do you negotiate that? So do you have any recommendations uh, other than just double double what you're worth? <laughs> Did you Were you able to negotiate yours, your initial?
0: I have to admit that I just entered purely out of like spirits and heart and I, I just never really questioned it. I'm, I'm really fortunate to be um, uh, with uh, co-founders that are extremely fair um, and, and really even saw like not more value than I did in myself but actually saw the potential that I could contribute. Um, so I, I really did uh, uh, enter with like full trust and And I have to admit, no, I did not set my salary at all. Um, Now I'm like, okay, oh no, (laughs) but seven
1: percent. I wonder if I'm in that seven percent. Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, but but I think, um, but at the same time, when you're especially when you're young, um, you also accept different kinds of like uh, currencies. Let's say I got to travel, I got to meet really interesting people, um, and I mean, I'm now a co-founder, so I think that also comes with some some perks as well. but i um yeah I congratulations
1: so you took it from employment to equity <laughs> yeah, <Touché>. you <laughs> you're like so you didn't negotiate yourself you just did it a little differently <laughs> just a little. good answer smooth so it sounds like you have a great relationship with your co-founders and sebastian and his son yon who were the most pivotal people in your life to help you get to where you are now who was your coach your mentor
0: mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um Sebastian honestly was uh, an extremely um, helpful person throughout this whole uh, process of building a, a company and uh, so he so he's a father of Jan so they are already very similar and really quick and just um, uh, really both really clever and, and experts in their fields as well um, a lot of knowledge that is I mean, Yan always says like uh, he he learns so. Sebastian learns so many uh, different types of knowledges, and and you just wonder where he stores it all and how he just comes back out with it. And he goes really deep into certain topics. Um, so he's um, he's been really supportive, and he's brought he's shared a lot of his um, experience as well with us. So he's kind of been a. Um, a speed track into how should we do things and how should we mm. not do things. Um, he also uh, cr- uh, had um, uh, formed a team in St. Petersburg that is very very strong in software and so I would say that Nikolai, who is also a colleague now, um, is, uh, was one uh, of those uh, mentors and guides. He has a really uh, sharp eye on on design and he's also really he's super knowledgeable and, everything software related and and leads our uh, software team so i would really say that sebastian and nikolai from a, a professional standpoint have uh, guided us through
1: great nikolai is a great name to have when you're in the energy field with the nikola <laughs> tesla
0: <laughs> true that's actually true yeah um, absolutely and um I, I wouldn't want to um, forget the personal space as well, you know because I think like as an entrepreneur, uh, you're dedicating so much energy uh, to your to your like professional endeavor. Um, but the personal reflection also needs some time. Uh, so I did also have a, a holistic coach, uh, Julian Gainer amazing amazing guy um who really brought in the elements that i was not necessarily tackling um or, or being like conscious about uh, and brought in some really good tools uh helped me stay in balance
1: much. yeah coaches are important and they're becoming more and more popular steve jobs has a coach had mm-hmm. a coach ceo of google has a coach coo of facebook has a coach it's becoming more and more mainstream. People are realizing, wow, it's imperative to have someone that's directly invested in your success without bias or without a conflict of interest.
0: Exactly, it's key.
1: Let's transition now into something I like to call the under 30 seconds round, where I'm gonna fire off a few questions and answer with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. (laughs) Number one. What is the book you've gifted Vitea more often than any other book and why?
0: The Wise Heart. Uh, It's uh, a guide to universal teachings of Buddhist psychology. So it's written by uh, Jack Kornfield. And I just love it because every bit is like a meditation, but it ties in like the Buddhist principles, the traditional Buddhism to uh, our Western psychology. So I feel like it's, um, Every every sentence is like a gift basically to yourself Mm. where you can like really reflect and um, it's anyone can read it, you know, it's um, I tried once reading like a Buddhist, like a traditional book and I was just like, wow, it's just it's just I couldn't relate to it maybe, you know, I think it's from a different time the way and also like some concepts are lost in translation, you know, like some words cannot be uh, Some feelings can't be explained. So um, this book I've I was actually gifted this book in the first place. And then I was like, Okay, my friends also need this one too. Um, and I, I don't think there's any limit to, to That's
1: Beautiful. When I was in the eastern hemisphere I also read The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama, and that really exposed me to Dharma, and I was mind blown by that concept. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love what you said there is every sentence is a gift. I hope one day when I become an author, someone <laughs> gives me that compliment.
0: <laughs> I mean, talk
1: about a compliment to the author, Jeez. Okay, number two, what's one of the best and one of the worst investments you've ever made, and why? <laughs>
0: Um, worst investment recently in our office, we tried to get these sound cancelling panels that go from the bottom up. Um, I have to say, it's probably my mistake. I didn't really understand what I was getting, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't cancel any noise. So we were just like putting up all these panels and we're just like (laughs) peeking out from each other. Like, Hey, I I can't see you, but I can hear you. (laughs) That wasn't so great. Best investment though. I love my, um, lightweight carry-on Samsonite. It's amazing. Oh. It's, it's just gotta like... you got to have good luggage. Uh, exactly. You know, and especially a carry-on, it's just like a little feather. Um, before that, I was just with like normal ones and now I'm just like never again.
1: Do you it's, have like, is there a model name or something that if, if you're in the audience, they could look it up?
0: Uh... If you Google Samsonite, lightweight uh, Lightweight carry on, on.
1: there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, what's the most impactful thing you do in your morning routine and the most impactful thing you do in your evening routine that you think is like your 80, 20, the 20% of stuff you do that generates 80% of the impact. What's the one most impactful thing in the morning and one in the evening?
0: Absolutely. Um, morning exercise. <laughs> That's definitely the, go, the way to go. Um, whether it's a run, like this morning I was, I was going on and I just took off my headphones, just listened to the birds while running. And I was like, yes, this is it. This is Yeah. <laughs> and um, the, the evening routine is reading. I just feel like it's just such a great way to just cool down and then your dreams are just even crazier. So double.
1: <laughs> awesome. There you go. Number four, pretend you won the Peter Thiel Fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business instead of go to college. Where would you start? What's the first thing you would do to start your own business?
0: Oh, I mean, now that I'm in the hydrogen field, you know, I would just totally go there again. But um, if I'm just out of college, I don't know about it yet. Uh, I would most likely go into, towards the zero waste uh, uh, movement. I actually just started yesterday a, a zero waste 30 day challenge where, um, yep, yeah, no single use plastic, which by the way, during Corona time is quasi and impossible, but I'm still sticking through it. So I would definitely go around this, this, this path, whether it's sustainable packaging or just, um, yeah, giving more tips to people to know uh, how they can have a more sustainable lifestyle,
1: basically. And what would you do? Would you, is the first thing you would do is start researching in that particular area? Would you find someone that's an expert in that field? Would you Google Maps, a nearby location, <laughs> and mm-hmm. <laughs> bring, bring cookies? <laughs>
0: I'd bake them too. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think I'd look into um, who's who's in that space, basically. Like who, um who is in the zero waste movement. And I think like zero waste encompasses like many different sectors. Like it could be zero food waste, which I think this would be like my first go because mm-hmm. I love food. Um, and I think there's a lot to do either with like the ugly food, um, which still tastes amazing. Um, uh, or also just, yeah, the general like food wasting, uh, just try to like eliminate that. Uh, go talk to restaurants, really understand like, why are you guys doing this? like don't you see the problem uh so, <laughs> so yeah i would go. research and basically find go someone
1: copy. who's already in the space last one what's something you never knew you needed
0: when i moved to germany i never thought i would need fluffy soles, but they have saved my feet during the winter
1: what's a fluffy sole?
0: so it's like this like a, a liner i guess you'd call it. it's like this like extra layer just to keep your toes warm
1: Really, I've never heard of this. Right? Is yeah, this a I didn't know a thing.
0: Yeah, my boyfriend got this for me. I was like, "Wow." <laughs> okay. Wait. So
1: they go inside the shoe, and they keep your toes warm.
0: Yeah, it basically, like insulates you from like the ground, the cold of the ground, and they're fluffy, and it's usually made out of wool, and it's like the shape of your your foot. You just slip them into your boots. Every German person has this. It was fluffy soles. Yes.
1: Well. I have three German friends and they're all going to hear about this. I haven't, I haven't found this out because it was freezing in Berlin. Geez, this was December, gentlemen. All right. So we will definitely let them know. So fluffy souls, mm-hmm. make sure you pick some up. Thank you so much for being here today, Vitea. Before you go, what's next for you? What's the next big goal, milestone, or bucket list item you want to achieve?
0: Hmm. Big goal with an aperture is our campus. So that's a really exciting milestone. Um, it's a net zero um, building, which, uh, and it's not just one building, actually. It's where we will do our uh, mass manufacturing of our AEM electrolyzers so that we can really uh, ship them out to the all, all industries. Uh, and at, heart of, at the heart of this um, campus is not only the net zero concept, but also a circular economy um, value that we're, we're putting in where we will um, take back electrolyzers, take away the parts that can be recycled, uh, and really just, again, go towards the zero waste. <laughs> zero. But You're the walking the
1: talk. I mean, that makes sense. You're going to have a <laughs> building at zero waste, so or net zero. So where will it be based?
0: This is, OK, so right now we're in the location scouting. Most likely, it will be uh, in Germany.
1: OK, and are you going to offer tours if people want to visit and, and witness this experience? Yeah.
0: I think I think we can give some behind the scenes, uh, okay. and then um, I think it'll actually be quite educational. And uh, we have we will have several buildings that are just top secret, you know, but uh, but the public ones uh, definitely. I think um, I think we should invite some some special guests.
1: Perfect. We'll keep you posted on that location. And next time I'm over in that way, I'm I'm gonna plan a visit. So I'm gonna hold you to your word. Please do. Please do. <laughs> and way where do listeners go to connect with you directly?
0: So LinkedIn, great, great, uh, great platform, Vaitea Cohen. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Engage with me. Probably that'll like be good for me because I, I, I follow people, but uh, uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect
1: and, with me. And which, please share your Twitter handle with an uh, audience so they know where to go.
0: So it's at CoVitea.
1: Perfect. Please go connect with Vaitea. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. We learned so much. We learned how to not only negotiate your salary, but turn that salary (laughs) into equity. And we learned about fluffy souls. We learned a lot today about renewable energy and Elon, you have some competition at Tesla. (laughs) I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day. Thank you, Vaiteya.
0: Thank you Phil, ciao.
1: Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.